0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church, home of Grace FM Network throughout Colorado and Wyoming and anywhere around the world online at gracefm.com. I want to welcome everyone. Uh, First of all, I'm going to welcome myself back. Uh, it's been a few weeks uh, I've been away I've had and now that the the world is opening up again the invitations uh, are coming in and I'm grateful to be able to serve I was in a missions conference in Europe uh, and serving the missionaries there and uh, met a missionary from Ukraine for the first time Benjamin uh, I think his name is Benjamin Morrison uh, I forget his last name exactly he was serving in central Ukraine uh, and it uh, was uh, Wonderful timing uh, to be able to meet him before the tragic circumstances happening in Ukraine right now. We we want to remember them and talk about them, and we will throughout the show. And then uh, I had some ministry uh, in California, taught some services here, and here we are back. Uh, the Lord is with us. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions. Uh, and I want to welcome everyone listening on Radio by Grace Network. It's good to be back. Uh, everyone on Hope FM and Truth FM and the radio station in Idaho, Boise, is Conquered. No. Um, oh, I don't have my call screen up either, so I'm a little behind. I'm sorry, guys. Um I'm sorry, my friends in Boise, that I do not remember the name of the station. But it will come to me. Uh, And I'm not... I think I'm jet lagging. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to blame my memory on jet lagging. But Higher Rock, not Concord, Higher Rock Radio. Welcome, everyone. And we're taking your calls. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And we're also taking your... If you want to text me directly, 720-336-0897. You know, I didn't get a chance to listen yesterday, but I don't know if Pastor Jeff let you know, but it was his birthday yesterday. Uh, Hopefully you wished him a happy birthday. Uh, We're grateful for him. Just so grateful that the Lord um, brought him into our lives. 303-690-3000, 720-336-0897. We're going to go over to Leslie here in Denver. Leslie, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, how are you?
3: Good. How are you doing?
1: Good. I just I was on my way home and I just um saw some people with ashes on their forehead and I just thought, you know, I just actually don't know the biblical significance of Ash Wednesday.
3: You know, it is the officially uh to some religions, Roman Catholicism being the largest, is the first day of Lent, and they call it—we call it Ash Wednesday, but the official name for it is Day of Ashes, uh, and the idea is to rub a cross on your forehead um, uh, as a sign of the cross, and it's the official um, begin of, beginning of Lent, um, you know, it's not really mentioned in the scriptures. Um, Lent is is more of a church practice than it is a biblical practice. Um, Lent is designed to be forty days of self denial, moderation, fasting, that kind of thing, leading up to to Easter. Um, you know, the Bible does speak of in the Old Testament um, that place of humility and brokenness of you know using dust and ashes as signs of repentance or signs of mourning. Um, but it is a religious, um, primarily. I think the I think some Lutherans. Uh, I, actually, it's becoming quite popular again, even within evangelical ser- circles. Um, but it truly isn't anything that's taught to us in the scriptures.
1: Okay, yeah, that's what I that's what I wondered. Since um, I've never read anything about it in the Bible, so thank you
3: for that. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Uh, that's all. Alrighty. Yeah, have a good day. Alrighty. Bye bye. 303 is the number. I didn't know. I was driving around today, too. I had to do a quick errand on my lunch break, and I saw a church uh, schedule when you could come in and get your ashes. But it was a Lutheran church, and I was a little interested by the marquee. Obviously, I'm driving by, so I couldn't. Um, but it was a Lutheran church here in town that said if you come in on uh, at between this hour and that hour, you can get your ashes. Uh, but... You know, I think that there are religious ceremonies that aren't biblical, uh, that aren't necessarily sinful, Um, but if you ask most people participating in Ash Wednesday, they probably couldn't explain it to you. There's a good chance that they are doing it merely uh, for religious purposes. And the idea of Lent isn't necessarily uh, a sinful uh, choice either. It's not a biblical one, but it's not sinful either in the sense of, Dedicating yourself to 40 days of fast, mourning, praying, self-denial. The the problem is, and the problem that I see uh, to think through is, it is a religious activity, and again, let's be clear here, we all have religious activities, we all have traditions, we all do things that aren't sinful but also are not biblical, so let's be clear on what I'm trying to describe here. Uh, but the the thing is, is it comes within the context of a works-based religious system, Roman Catholicism, so that now even getting in the ash becomes a work to be done rather than a response to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And listen, evangelicals can get to this too. It may not be ashes on your forehead, but it could be a lot of different things where we approach God from a works-based relationship rather than a grace-based relationship. Um, And, you know, we're all susceptible to it. But I, for one, am not getting ashes on my forehead. Um, I believe that I I, I want my life to be a broken life. And believe me, God has a way of sending and allowing things where humility and brokenness become a part of your life. Not that pride isn't a part of my life. It certainly is. But then the Lord interrupts and deals with that, too. 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 303 690 Let's go back to the phone lines uh, We're going to head out to Federal Heights Richard, welcome to the program Hi Hi
2: Hi, how are you?
3: I'm doing well, how are you?
2: I'm not very good
3: Okay, what's going I'm on? At,
2: uh, COPD The doctor said and I can walk maybe four or five foot Before I have to rest oh, no. And I... Uh, I left my wife like three years ago, and I, I don't want to go back to her okay. because she was physically getting altercations every day. Okay. Uh, she's a schizophrenic, and she don't believe it. And I would tell her to go to the doctor, and she would physically beat me up. Okay, And, and I want to know, does God want me to go back to her? I can't go back to
3: her. So you'll be surprised by my answer, okay? So I want you to stick with it. I want you to stick with my answer all the way to the end, okay? To the end. Yeah. Let me finish it up, and then you could follow up because it's my original answer is going to shock you. You ready? Yeah. You asked me if God desires you to go back, and let me use the word reconcile with your wife. The answer is yes. That is God's desire. That's his desire to see you in a healthy, strong, wonderful marriage, okay? But the way you describe it, I do not believe God places you under any obligation to submit yourself to a physically violent person. So yes, God's heart is for you to see your marriage rescued, but in your current condition that you describe, you are under no obligation to submit yourself to a violently abusive person. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, makes sense. But, you know, we don't always do what God wants. And I, if he wanted me to go back, I she threatened to kill me several times. Uh, I was scared to sleep there at night because she'd get up in the middle of the night maybe and yeah. come and stab me.
3: Well, let me clarify for you, okay, because you, you didn't fully understand what I said. You are under no obligation to go back to a, a, a physically abusive situation, but if we're asking about God's desire for marriage, God's desire is that your wife would repent. God's desire is that your wife would not be physically abusive. So when you think of God's desire, that His, you know, we He has a higher desire for all of us. But let me just be clear, since you, since it's important for you, you don't need to go back to her when she's physically abusive to you, Richard. Oh, good. I'm sorry for confusing yeah. that up for you a little bit. You you don't well, have to submit to that. You didn't confuse
2: me, but it, it's God's desire that we have a healthy marriage and yeah, He and, and wants her to repent. Yeah. She don't even think she's got a problem.
3: Right. And that, so, that makes reconciliation yeah. impossible. That That's... That makes reconciliation impossible. As a matter of fact, Richard, if you have email, I can send you a little pamphlet on the topic of forgiveness and reconciliation that explains this biblically, and you hit it on the head. If she refuses to acknowledge that there's a problem with physically abusing her husband and refuses to repent, then there's no possibility of reconciliation. That's
2: what I thought. Yeah. know. Because he wants us to repent.
3: Of course and he does.
2: I've repented over my life. I'm 77. I've done a lot of bad things. I don't claim to be good by any means or any language that you would talk. Because I have done horrible, horrible things. But I've repented from them. I don't do them anymore. Uh, I'm still sinning because I have a, a desire to be with Another woman, yes, but I'm too old for that anymore. Anyway, so I just don't go with other women. Period. Good.
3: Yeah, you shouldn't. That's Not wise. Good. Let me pray for you, Richard. Let me pray for you, Father. I pray for my brother as he is in a very difficult situation, both personally with his health uh, and you know the challenges within his marriage and his wife. We pray for his wife. We pray, Father, that you would help um, sort out um the difficulties that he's facing uh and the challenges that are uh before him that you would comfort him and strengthen him lord in jesus name amen thank you thank you
2: thank okay brother
3: James. thanks for calling bye bye wow he's so so challenging you know so difficult um you know i know that when you hear calls like that it prompts other calls and or at least prompts trauma, and so I'm sorry for that. Um, but give me a call. You guys on Radio by Grace, you're live. You're listening to me live. You guys on Grace FM, we're live. Everyone else, you're hearing it one week delayed, um, but when you're listening in, uh, you can call while the show is on. We'll take your call live, and then you get to hear it later on Hope FM and Truth FM next week. Uh, same with you guys on Higher Rock. But on Radio by Grace and Grace FM, we're live. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. I got a text. Uh, I got a text question about finding a very inappropriate text on your phone. Um, your uh, question is: You would like any advice? And it's an imp- in a inappropriate texting with a someone outside of your marriage. I'm not going to give all the details, but for the sake of people listening in, what should I do when I find an inappropriate text um, that's under a false name uh, on your husband's phone? Number one, you should begin to pray, because number two, you're going to need to confront your husband with the information and bring it to light. I think of the scriptures when it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. And so your husband needs to know that you found it, that you are hurt by it, and he needs to be confronted um, as you express the pain and hurt that you have by the emotional connection he has with this other person that you describe at his workplace. Um, We need to get it out in the open and allow room for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and rescue your husband before he does anything that he can't undo. I mean, he's already done that with the texting, but we don't want it to go any farther. We don't want it to hurt you and your family anymore. We don't want it to ruin another person's family. Um, Even if they're participating, it's still wrong, and we want to do everything that we can to prevent people from sinning. So, Father, I pray for this marriage. uh, Super challenging, uh, super hard. But I do pray for wisdom um, with this person that texts. And uh, this this inappropriate relationship that's starting at work. Thank you for we do thank you for revealing this text, um, this text message thread. And I pray for the time where husband is confronted that he would humble himself, repent, and break it off, and work to restore his marriage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 303-690-3000 303-690-3000 is the number 303-690-3000 taking your calls and your question. Let's see who is on the line here. Where are we? We're back in Colorado. Sean, welcome to the program.
4: Hi Pastor, Ed. thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Yeah, um, I have a question about, um, I know it says in the Bible that, you know, that women are able to minister in the Church but not be pastors of a Church, and I was wondering, is it is it wrong to go to a Bible study that has a women pastor that leads their Church?
3: Well, that's a good question to ask, because it's a very debatable thing in the body of Christ today. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are two main camps— when it comes to women pastors, there is the camp that's known uh, by a fancy word as complementarianism. And a very simple description of complementarianism is that the responsibility of, uh, of women within um, their relationship within the church is as a complement to men. And, the um, of course, that comes to us from the book of Genesis— um, that's where that thought process. It's a much more complicated or more in-depth doctrine than I'm simply describing it. But that's the complementarian would fall in the category that women can hold all offices within the church, with the exception of elder or pastor. So they can do anything, prophet, prophetesses, deaconesses, but that elder, the the leadership of the church, is reserved for men. That would be a complementarian view, and that is my personal biblical view. I'm a complementarian. Um, I'm not a strict complementarian in the sense that I think women can do a lot of things. I would not be uncomfortable uh, with um, instruction from a woman, um, exhortation from a woman. Um, I've sat under a woman's teaching in a marriage conference, you know, with a husband and a wife, sharing forth the Word of God together, like like um, Priscilla and Aquila. Um, but I would not be comfortable personally with a... a Women, a woman pastor overseeing a church. So the personal answer for me is no, I could not join a church with a woman pastor. Yeah,
4: and I, my, I guess my question was, the, is it okay for a Bible study? Because I, 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 I'm not thinking of joining a church. That church, it's just a, a Bible study. I, I, I actually go to um, uh, Calvary Greeley,
3: Yeah, uh-huh. the church
4: I go to, and I, I love Pastor Jeff Biggs. He's uh, yeah. Uh, a really good pastor, but i was I was just wondering if it was wrong if it was just a Bible study and she was a, she was a pastor of their church would that would that still fall under the same thing It, it
3: would for me yes because okay. I, I my conclusion is not the teaching portion, it is the role of pastor portion that somebody that takes upon themselves the title of pastor I believe that's reserved for men within the body of Christ so that makes
4: that makes a lot of
3: sense to me it's a consistent view that if i wouldn't j- join the church uh, with a woman pastor, I also wouldn't submit myself under the authority of that woman pastor's teaching because I don't believe that's a valid uh office in the church here here's the problem I might be wrong, and I readily admit that I might be wrong i'm very firm in my convictions I'm very firm on how I interpret paul's instruction and the the entirety of the scripture. But I hope I'm not. Um, this is one of those areas where I'm not going to judge. You know, a lot of a lot of denominations, like Foursquare Assembly of God, a lot of independent churches, allow women pastors. I know that God uses women. Um, I hope I'm not artificially. Uh, re, hope I'm personally, just as a man, as a pastor, I'm not artificially um, coming to this conclusion. I don't think I am. I'm pretty confident in it, but I also don't want to diminish. Um, God's use of women in the church, God is uses women in amazing ways. Women can teach. Women can teach men in the sense that they have Bible knowledge that I don't currently have. For example, if my wife is doing devotions and she gives me instruction from the Word, I'm not going to turn around and go, "And thou art a woman I cannot receive from you. I mean... God put her in my life, she can do it, and if a woman on staff here, like one of our team members had a word for me, had an instruction for me from the Word, I would absolutely receive it. Test all things, hold fast to what is good. But when a woman takes upon herself the role of a pastor, I simply can't agree with that, mm-hmm. biblically.
4: Okay. I, I, I agree. Thank you very much. Pastor. Okay,
3: bro. God bless you. Uh, God bless you. Bye-bye. And just to finish my previous thought as well, from complementarianism, the alternate view of egal teller, egal ego, <laughs> ego teller, e, <laughs> I can't even say it, egalitarianism, ego egal teller. Terry. I don't know why it can't come out of my lips, but the idea that um, that n- there is no um, prohibition of any office with within the body of Christ for male or female, which which isn't—again, you, you, that again, that's a simplistic view. I want to be, you know, you theologians there, seminary students, I know, I know it's a simplistic view, and I'm keeping it simple for the sake of our radio program, but the idea that there aren't limitations on offices, of course there are limitations all throughout the Scriptures. Um, you know, a man can disqualify himself from the ministry. Um, a man can't be a woman, and a woman can't be a man. Uh, there are very distinct. There are distinctions between male and female, and you can't. So there are limitations built in into the creation of God, and there are limitations. Uh, for example, a deacon cannot be a deaconess, right? A man cannot be a deaconess, and a deaconess cannot be a deacon. I mean, there are absolute limitations. Where where the difficulty is, is where do we draw the line? That's, and I draw the line at the role of pastor and as many many Orthodox believers do three oh three six nine zero three thousand Alex New Orleans welcome to the program
2: thank you pastor I do appreciate it
3: hey welcome to the program
2: yes um i uh, I was calling today uh for prayer okay um, for my daughter um she will be having um scoliosis uh, surgery oh, wow. um, next week okay and, um we just, you know, praying for the doctors and you the bet. anesthesiologists and whoever's going to be in the whole process that, you know, God touches them and um, and heals her body um, because we know that the doctors operate, but we know that God does the yeah. healing. So, um, you know, we're just praying for the whole process that it goes well and she comes out okay.
3: Yes. Let's pray. What's, your, what's her name, by the way?
2: Oh, Alessandra. I'm sorry, sorry. Okay.
3: Father I pray for Alessandra right now Lord the 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 surgery that's coming up I I you know even as we approach it we know um doctors call it routine and they've done it many other times but no surgery is routine Lord we commit little Alessandra into your hands even as the care and concern of these specially trained and wise doctors uh care for her work on her back Lord bring to bring uh, about what's necessary to straighten it, to relieve pain, to bring forth a strong future for her. I pray for her, Lord, and and I agree with my brother Alex. We know that the hands of the surgeons are the ones doing the work, but we know that you're sovereignly above and beyond. I love that picture. I remember walking into a hospital, Father, in that picture where there is a surgeon there, but you're right behind him, and the in, the, the the implication of you're with them. And So I pray that you uh, would... I'd hear Alex call again and say, hey, surgery success. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: In Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Call us back and let us know, okay, Alex?
2: Yeah, thank you, Pastor. We do appreciate it. We definitely
3: will. Okay, bro. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm back. Uh, Good to be back with you. We have an open line, 303-690-3000. Uh, and always, the text lines always open, and you can always use it 24 hours a day, seven days a week to send your prayer requests. Uh, we pray over them, and we would love to uh, be a part of that. So please do, 720-336-0897. And let's go to line one. Phil has a follow-up on uh, pastors. Phil, welcome to the program.
5: Hi, uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, so at my church, we have a a, a, um, a female uh, children uh, pastor and a, a female um, middle school pastor, and um, I was wondering um, what you thought, uh, what you thought about that um, being yeah. if they're that's... you know in charge of in charge of children and maybe in, in junior high, maybe you know somebody that's not a man yet. Sure,
3: of course. So, yeah, I think the Bible—so uh, let's let's back up for a second and speak of the value of women ministering to children, uh, ministering to even, like you said, junior high and high schoolers. Um, the Bible doesn't prohibit that. The Bible doesn't prohibit women instructing others. It doesn't prohibit uh, women speaking forth the Word of God, praying out loud, prophesying, none of those things. And, and so having someone overseeing um, key areas of ministry uh, is— is definitely biblical the 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 issue that i believe the bible draws a line as in a woman fulfilling the office the official authoritative office of the church of jesus christ of the elder and we sometimes we attach the name pastor to that but typically pastors are the elders of the church and i believe that's limited to men only so the if if the like, for example, we have, key, we have women in such important key positions in this church. Um, uh, up until we've, we've had a woman—we um, currently have a woman uh, administrating the school. We had a woman as the administrator of the church. We have women in other very key, important positions within this church of extremely high level of trust uh, and responsibility that maybe even some of the pastors don't have. However, the pastoral team is responsible to God and man for the spiritual leadership of this church. And so even all of the women that have key leadership positions within the church are under the authority of pastoral leadership.
5: Okay. Uh, I guess I was wondering if it was called, you know, if you called it, you know, instead of using the term... Pastor, but it was, you know, middle school leader, overseer, something, you know. I, I don't know if that would.
3: I have no problem with those titles. I mean, but when you say pastor, that has a meaning to it. Pastor has a meaning that can't, we can't say, well, they're less of a pastor because they oversee the kids. Pastoral leadership is like we have to stick to the significance of what that means and the position of, again, Pastors only used one time in the scriptures, but the word elder is used many times in the scriptures. So if we substitute pastor with elder, like that's an important that's an important um, distinction. So someone taking the title pastor upon themselves, um, it cl- sends a clear message. But leader, overseer, those are ex- that's exactly what they're doing. They're both leading and overseeing. And I I would use those titles. Thank you, Phil. We gotta go, buddy. You hear the music coming up on the first um, half of the program. It happened so quickly. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Hey, welcome back, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live, taking your calls and your questions. Before I get back to the phone lines, I want to let you know that uh, in light of what's going on in Ukraine uh, and with Russia invading Ukraine, we've set up a Ukraine relief fund. Uh, that is available through our website if you're looking for a place to help. There are many valid, wonderful places to help, um, but we have we have a direct connection to Ukraine in more than one way. We're a very—first um, uh, of all, we have missionaries there uh, that were in Donetsk and also in Zaporozhye. Uh, they've been back for a year, um, but we just sent them out um, on a short-term trip today, this morning. They just left to the region— um, to help with some refugees, uh, and uh, so we we sent out a team this morning. We were asking you to pray for them, and then we're looking. I just got. I was just looking at my phone during the break, and I got a con- I got a text from a brother um, that I know of uh, from California who is over there now, uh, and we're going to be collaborating with other ministries in the near future as well. So if you're looking for a place you want to be make an impact financially. You can go to calvaryco.church slash give, and there's a drop down for Ukraine, and every penny that comes in will go to Ukraine in some way, whether we use it personally like we have this morning on the team. Uh, some of it we use this morning on the team that get out there. Uh, they're not only going to settle some of these refugees that they have connections with, but they're also going to be um, getting relief supplies. They took a bunch of stuff with them. I don't even know all the things that they bought, but they took a lot of stuff with them. Because we were instructed that it's hard to get things now. So they took stuff. Uh, and I'm going to be extremely vague uh, because of their safety. So um, we, whatever I share, is I'm, on, I'm already sharing with their permission. Um, but we're not going to say where they're going or anything. But we'll, we'll hopefully get a report back as things are getting much more difficult. That's slash give. And you can hit the Ukraine Relief Fund. Uh, so many have already. So thank you. If you've given, um, any amount will help. It's in collaboration with Grace FM. Um, and, and so we, uh, you can do it either way, gracefm.com, calvaryco.church, either one. And we're already using it. It's already, we've already used it. Um, and they're on their way. I don't know how long it takes to get there, but they'll stay in touch with us. So please pray that they have a, um, a fruitful journey, and they come back home safely to their families, and um, we're going to collaborate with ministries in the future. The other thing about um, this conflict is I felt a strong burden, and I and know our phone lines are full. I'm going to get back to the phone lines briefly here, um, but the, <clears throat> the uh, significance of a, a conflict like this, it's very easy for it to become uh, very prophetic, and let me just say, it it does have great prophetic importance to see uh, Russia move. And then today it was mentioned in Jerusalem Post that Israel is going to open up their their lines of natural gas to Europe. And anytime you hear Russia and, um, and Israel mentioned in the same breath uh, in the t- context of conflict, you can't help but think of Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine with Gog and Magog and. God putting hooks in them and bringing them down to invade Israel. So we definitely have prophetic in importance with the way that the world has been, wars and rumors of wars, pestilences. We see um, how quickly the world become, can become one ruler, under one ruler or one thought process, uh, even though there are dissensions, but believe me. Uh, there will be dissensions. The Bible's clear. Not everybody's going to go along with the anti agenda but most of the world will and and so definitely prophetic implications don't misunderstand me number 1 but they can you can go off on the prophecy and forget the significance of what what's really why you're on the planet and then secondly with the things going on in russia and ukraine you could also think well you know that's on the other side of the world that doesn't affect me here i'm upset because the inflation and i don't like the president and it becomes very political Well, if you let it become very political or geopolitical, then you also have the uh, opportunity to miss the point. And you go, come on, Ed, what's the point? Here's the point. People. And I had this heavy burden this last Saturday. We have Saturday night and Sunday morning services here. And I had this burden, I believe, from the Lord to open up in the middle of our service, live radio, live online, doesn't matter. We're not a polished... You know, perfectly produced church. That's not—I never want to be that. We never will be that. We do the best that we have, but I'm not—we're not a polished, produced church. So I just felt burdened. Like, is there anyone here that has a direct connection with people in Ukraine? And we had many, many families get up. um, Lots of tears as we walked around the room with a microphone and let them share the names. Let them share their concern. Let them share their heart. And then remember, it's not just over there. It's here. These are our families, our friends. And even thinking Ukraine is not over there. Russia, and even Russia, you know, the, the, the conflict, right? You know, if you're Russian, now you may be looked at differently because of Russia's aggression when it's, it's, the, it's the government level, it's not the Russians. And we have many Russians and Ukrainians right here in our church. You're sitting right next to them worshiping Jesus. We're not waiting for every tribe, tongue, and nation in heaven. We're living out every tribe, tongue, and nation right now. And it was a powerful, powerful move of the Spirit to just remember that even if just one family, and one family, it was only one family on our Saturday night service, but what an important family. Bruce and his wife had been a part of our church for many years. Uh, we went to, I took his wife, along with the team, to Israel on one of our trips and Bruce oversees our um, our corn picking event. and you go, "What, Ed, what kind of church are you?" well here's this is an amazing thing. Bruce um, works for a company that they a man donates an acre of his field. The company donates all the seed for the corn. They grow it, then they pick it and give it away to the food banks. Fresh, wonderful corn, unbelievable. It's a beautiful family ministry. And And I've seen emails from him for many years with his last name, and I never made the connection that Bruce himself comes from a from a Ukrainian immigrant family, and he still has family over there uh, through uh, in-law relationships. and out of that in-law relationship in those families, there is a brother against brother fighting in this war. that That's what we're talking about. That hit Calvary Church in Aurora right in the to my right. On the left, on the left-hand side of the room, where they always sit. So we want to be a part of this solution. We want to, we want to run with the gospel. And so our pastor led a team, and they just took off early this morning. They're heading over to the region, and we're praying and asking God for favor. And you know, you feel helpless in times like this. In many ways, we are. What can we do to end a war or stop a war? Well, we can pray and we can give physical aid, and we can look for people here in our community to minister the gospel to. We can, um, And haven't we been learning, Kevin, in our church, we can be patient, we can show preference, and we can walk in humility. That's been the lessons for us for the last two years. It's, they're universal lessons, huh? I told the church early on, I felt like the Lord is telling us, this is going to pass, but what we're learning is not going to pass. So we need to be patient with one another, even if they hold another political opinion or whatever, we need to show preference to them, thinking more highly of them, others than we do ourselves, and then walk in a broken in humility so the Lord will use us. So with all that in mind, let's go back to the phone lines. Raquel. Is it Rachel or Raquel? Uh,
6: it's Rachel in English, Raquel in Spanish. All
3: right. Well we'll take both of them from Baltimore. Welcome to the program.
6: Thank you. Um, uh, first of all I wanna say I appreciate you guys. I listen to the radio my I obligate my whoever sits on the on the seats of my car to listen to it. Good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Good. Um
3: you're welcome.
6: So um so I asked for a prayer for my husband cuz he really needs faith. I mean, God has showed him mm. it's moving in his life and I don't know what's blinding him. The other night he had a panic attack because he switched um jobs. Okay. So he can go to church. Okay. And he said, oh, no, uh, I'm not going to lose my benefits. And so I said, you did this and you did it to honor God. God's going to honor you. Go to sleep, go in peace. Yes. And the next day he says, Rachel, it's amazing. He said, well, you lost the whole night. I told you to sleep in course, peace and you lost the whole night. So he, I'm telling he needs
3: faith. Yes, yes.
6: Uh, It's a struggle. He's seen God's hand move in his finances because I told him, hey, you got to give your tithes. And he said, Pastor, I'm not going to give my tithes because I think I should use it somewhere else. I told him, you shouldn't do that because um, it's like a sin. God's going to close the door when you go to heaven because you, you, um, you stole from the tithes. And Pastor said, okay, just give it six months and if you're blessed, Amen. If you're not well, do whatever you want. He was blessed, Pastor. He was blessed. And he saw the hand of God. It's not about the money. It's about the feeling of the Lord in in his heart and how he works with him. So he really needs faith.
3: Let's pray for him. Father, I pray for Raquel's husband in this season of his walk with you that his faith would grow. God, that you would strengthen him in responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and trusting you. He's trusting you with his soul. He's trusting you with his job. He's learning to trust you with his family and his life. And now, Lord, you're bringing him into this area of learning to trust you with with your money. And so I just pray that into his life, Lord, that he would grow in your grace and he would be faithful in his giving in response to the prompting of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank it, you, Pastor. Raquel, Appreciate can I, can I, um, if you email me, or uh, actually, no, don't email me. I'm going to put you mm-hmm. on hold, and then, Kevin, if you would like, if you would give Kevin your address, I'd like to send you a free gift. I wrote a book on fear, and I think it'd be yes. really good. It's a really good, encouraging book uh-huh. for those that have fearful, anxious thoughts, and I'd love to give it to your husband as a gift.
6: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So
3: okay, much. so I'm going to put you on hold, and Kevin's going to get your info, and we'll put it into the mail this week. All right, 303 690 3000, back to Denver, Colorado. James, welcome to the program. Oh, James. And I would want to let everyone know that God's not going to close the door in heaven because of lack of giving faith or giving tithes or even lacking faith. That's you're either saved by grace or you're not. And once you are saved by grace, then Jesus is going to get you all the way in. What he's begun, he's going to complete. Um, I'm sorry I didn't mention that to Raquel, but um, learning the grace of God is such a beautiful, tremendous gift that we can trust in the Lord and he will bring it to pass. All right, uh, let's get to, where are we here? We're going to go back to Colorado, Commerce City. Justin, welcome to the program.
5: Hi, thanks for taking my call.
3: You're welcome. You're so on the air.
5: Mother-in-law, mother-in-law and I were in a bit of a discussion about how she believes that um, keeping a specific day for Sabbath is right, and that I'm wrong, and okay. that um, I just said, well, well, you know, because of what Christ did, our Sabbath rest is found in Him. Right. And it's not keeping a specific day. Um you know, because we're free to to worship him any day. Correct. Um, So I kind of tried to explain that to her, but she was also bringing in, like, um, some Old Testament stuff about tithing as well. Sure. And um, I just said, you know, it sounds very legalistic and kind of almost like a Hebrew roots movement. I'm not entirely sure, but She's fully convinced that, like the previous caller said, you know, or like what you just elaborated on, that, um, you know, because we're not keeping our tithes and because we're not keeping the Sabbath day holy, So, or what she's replied to is that there's definitely going to be some rewards that aren't handed out. And I, I don't know if she didn't fully say salvation was contingent on it, but it kind of seemed like she was leaning that way. Right. So I just wanted to kind of maybe get some ideas of some another way I can approach that topic.
3: Well, you know, I think that there is a distinction we have to make a distinction between the old covenant and the new covenant. Uh, unless someone makes that distinction, then they're gonna then the lines are blurred on how to use the Bible, especially when it applies to those things that that were instructed for the old covenant in order to be right with God. Uh, in order to participate in the old covenant you have to keep the law and if you don't keep the law then you have to offer a sacrifice uh the, the the high priest would have to offer a sacrifice for you in the temple so anyone that would today that would want in any way to live by the old covenant would be condemned under the under the um you know the consequences of not keeping it because there's no temple and there's no sacrifices mm um, and, and so it you know, when you think of it that way it sounds silly some of these arguments that are made using an old covenant mindset. It's very clear that believers live today under the new covenant, and the new covenant is a covenant of grace, no longer our works. The new covenant has a sacrifice once for all delivered for the saints. A new covenant has a believers living not by their own works, but by the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, the new covenant we live by faith. And, and in our faithful abiding, God lives out His life through us, and we have direct access to God and on and on the go. So what about the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day is no—keeping of the Sabbath day is no longer necessary for New Covenant believers in the sense of keeping it like the Old Testament. And even within the Old Covenant, um, the rabbis had exaggerated um, the restrictions of the Sabbath to make it something more than what God even intended— Today, by faith in Jesus Christ, we keep the Sabbath. We keep it on Monday, we keep it on Tuesday, we keep it on Thursday, we keep it every day. Um, To the Jewish mind today, the Sabbath is still Saturday, and it's still part of the old religious system apart from Christ. When you go to Israel with us on our tour, um, you'll notice what a different day it is, the Sabbath, because even secular Jews celebrate the Sabbath by closing everything down, everything's closed. So on the Sabbath, we have to go visit tours that are owned by Christians or not, you know, that are away from Jerusalem because Jerusalem shut down from sundown on Friday to sun, you know, to the first star on Saturday and Friday evening to Saturday evening. So directly to your question, by faith, we keep the Sabbath. Um, Well, then how does that apply today? well, the pattern of the Sabbath was six days work, one day rest. So I do believe God has put into us a rhythm of rest. It's very important that we rest. It's very important we don't go seven days hard a week. It's very important that we recognize and put God first every day, but especially taking a day throughout the week to think of Him, to worship Him, to enjoy Him. Um, But the, the Sabbath was never meant, to go to a church service, you know some groups today, like the Seventh Day Adventists, would say the only if you're not if you worship God on Sunday, you're worshiping the mark of the beast. Well, that's a that's a legalistic interpretation of what it means to keep the Sabbath. By faith in Christ, you keep the Sabbath, and you can worship on Saturday. You can worship on Sunday. Colossians couldn't be clearer. Um, you know, every even Romans couldn't be clearer um, that in colossians the re, these these things in the old testament like the sabbath were a shadow but the substance is found in Christ according to colossians chapter 2 um and you know i think it was in romans that paul said you know one man considers one day one way one man considers another day but let each one be fully convinced in his own mind and and so i i i would have to you know have that dialogue with your mother-in-law in order to answer some of her objections but I think you 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 heard enough to go. No, this doesn't sound like New Covenant faith in Christ. Um, and when it comes to tithing, you know, there's a couple different layers because the mandate of the New Covenant uh, Christian is actually higher than the tithe. Did you know that?
5: Yeah, I, I <laughs> think I, I elaborated that. Like, you know, if you kept the tithe, is actually more than ten percent, but. You know, that we're called to be cheerful givers and to give, out yes. of, you know, our hearts. So that's what we do.
3: We give it above and beyond, you know, and that when God purposes something in our heart, you know, a lot of guys that, a lot of people that, that have a hard time giving, um, they would say, well, you know, I don't think God's purpose to give anything in my heart. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so, because God's a giving God. Um, usually we're going to give above and beyond. We're not going to measure it out with a tenth. We're going to give above and beyond, like we're going to give to Ukraine, we're going to give to the homeless guy, we're going to give to a family member in need. We're going to be givers, and generosity is going to mark every New Covenant believer because generosity is what's been demonstrated to us on the cross. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you want to email me, I I developed this a little bit um, in more depth on terms of should we worship on the Sabbath day, you know, and if you can... And nailed down like you maybe your mother in law is going. Well, we have to worship on Saturday. Well, I did a I did a very thorough Bible study on that. I can send you the notes if you want them.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll take everything I can get. But I think I think maybe another way of addressing it is because she was saying that you know you can't have the Old Testament with without the New Testament. You can't have the New Testament without the Old Testament. That's true. And she she referred it to like the front and back of her hand. And like you can't have your palm without the back of your hand, but I was like, but we're, you know, we're we fe- we're found in Christ. Like it's we're not keeping Old Testament laws and stuff like that. So. No,
3: but you actually, she's making a very good point. She may come to the wrong conclusion, but her point is very valid. Um, the Bible is a unified book, even though it's made up of sixty-six books, and you know. Uh, Five different continents, and I forget the numbers of the authors. Forty different authors. Um, it's a unified book, and the I think it was Norman Geisler that said the Old Testament is contains the New Testament concealed. The New Testament contains the Old Testament revealed, and everything mm. in the Scriptures from beginning to end, Jesus said, is about Him. So there is truth to what your mother-in-law is saying because we would never understand the the new covenant unless we understand what it replaced. And the language, the language of Galatians couldn't be clearer that the New Testament replaced the old covenant. The, excuse me, the new covenant replaced the old covenant. They they aren't in competition with one another. They're they're not co they don't go side by side together. The old covenant has been swallowed up in the new. It's not a hybrid. So when I when I see the the illustration of a you know the back of my hand and the palm of my hand, that's correct. But the palm of my hand has a greater value than the backside of my hand. You know, using her illustration, um, yeah, mm-hmm. a hand's not a hand without both sides. But one side has more value than the other one side is used more often than the other one side has more dexterity than the other like like her illustration's good it's just not applicable because she came to the wrong conclusion using it we are not bound by the old covenant today in any way and if anyone and that's the whole point of galatians you as you are as you, as you deal with her i think it's important that you reveal your, you you understand galatians and hebrews
1: because those okay. two
3: books are very important to someone that would want to take you back. I was listening to a guy recently on another station here in town. A messianic Jew, but more of a a heavy bring you back to the Torah bondage kind of guy. Where he's he's talking old covenant like it's like it supersedes the new, like it's more important than the new. Um, and and then what's the point? Why why is Galatians exist then? Um, why does Hebrews exist? Why is that exhortation don 't go back to the law don 't go back to the old don 't go back. You have all that you need in Christ um, because people love to bring you into bondage through their interpretation of the behaviors and until there is there 's no no part of the old covenant to be held in ritualistic worship of God none nothing unless there's a sacrifice that you 're going to submit yourself to the high priestly ministry you can't have a hybrid the old te- the old covenant swallowed mm-hmm. in the new there is no hybrid got it good good question And this is the you know this is where confusion comes in where you don't i think the most important part is to make the distinction between the old covenant and the new covenant and even the mosaic covenant had a definite beginning and had a definite end and that's well,
5: definitely going to Get reading here. So. Yeah, email
3: me. I'll send you. You know, at least on the the simplistic of the notes I did in a Bible study, it will, it will. I think I go into depth, kind of making this uh, understanding how to use the old in the new. Pretty sure okay, I did.
5: And the is it Ed at Calvary, or
3: yeah, it's Ed you know? at edtaylor.org.
5: Okay, perfect. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time and help. Thank you
3: so much. Okay. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Let's see here. Where are we? Got to pull it up again. Justin, Raquel, James. We got Justin. I think we're waiting for a call to come in. So give me a call. 303-690-3000 tonight is a glorious night of water baptism, and if you've never been water baptized, we would love for you, and you're a believer, we would love for you to come and be water baptized with us tonight. We have about 65 people signed up so far. Um, So good. What are we in? February? Uh, Oh, no, March. We're just starting March, and we're already uh, baptizing 65 people here at Calvary Church um why because God is still ministering to people it's been a hard couple years it's a very difficult year already with now a, a full scale war in ukraine with russia but the lord is still working and every time you see a baptism you see the gospel you see it with your own eyes going under the water going into the death identifying with the death of jesus coming up out of the water identifying the resurrection of jesus and so come on out tonight. It's Baptism services are always fun. Um, they're always um, exciting. Uh, they're, it's a it's a worship service. And so we're going to sing together, we're going to pray together, then we're going to baptize um, those that want to be baptized. So our services start here at Calvary at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, and we'd love to have you out here. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 joy and centennial welcome to the program
1: hey pastor ed how are you doing today good how are you good thank you for your show uh, you're welcome a lot of hope to me listening um i just want to revisit that caller with phil i felt like his question with the um women and kevin reminded me of the verse so i felt like that was the holy spirit of um, teaching over men yeah it Was kind of more hung up on the title yes and um You know, it and so just kind of going back to that scripture and really what it's saying, because um, you know, in America you are blessed with having tax write-offs if you do have that title. And I personally feel like women can be pastors of children, they can be pastors of women, because the Bible is clearly, in my mind, saying that they're not to teach over men, they're not to teach over the whole church. And so I was wondering if you can just kind of go to the scripture and not to dissect and get hung up on the title, but just kind of go back to what it says.
3: Yes, but I, I would ask you this, because I would disagree with you. I still would disagree, even though you clarify. What's the distinction by giving—and and, what's—well, let's go back for a second. In your mind—so help me understand your thinking before I answer—what What's what significance in this discussion does tax write-offs have to do with your interpretation—
1: well, my interpretation is that women can be pastors of children. They can be pastors of women. So, they are not to be pastors or teaching because uh, a pastor is, a, you know, a teacher to men. And the scripture—I'm not sure man, what it is. We're going
3: to—we're going to run out of time yeah. here. But I want—I want to repeat what you just said. I believe women can be pastors of children, and I, they can be, pa- but they can't be pastors. And then you have a different definition. So I think one of the. Di- we should talk about this tomorrow, but one of the differences that you and I are having is I say the title is exclusive. And once you have it, you have it. There aren't layers of it. And then and then I would say that I would agree with you that women certainly do shepherd and take care of children. But call tomorrow. We can finish the conversation, okay, Joy? Got to go. Uh, you hear the music. I'm teaching all the way out to the end of the show. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live,